Good morning. Everybody doing okay? All right. Awesome to get to worship together. Uh, I got a couple of announcements. First of all, I want to welcome any guests that are visiting with us today. Thanks for coming uh, to be a part of our worship service. My name is Fred Neal. I'm the pastor here at Redemption Church, and uh, very glad to have you. On the handout uh, that we gave you on the way in, there's a little QR code. If you uh, have a smartphone, all you got to do is open your camera and hover over that QR code, and it'll take you right to our guest form. Uh, if that doesn't work for you, uh, there is a paper version of that over on that table. Table that says what what's next. We would just love to know that you are visiting with us today. So please fill that out. And uh, if you do the paper version, just hand that to me after the service. I'd love to be able to say hi. If you do the electronic version, you're done once you turn it in. But either way, thanks for visiting with us. We've uh, been praying for you and praying that God would encourage you as you spend this, the morning with us here at Redemption. Uh, a couple of announcements that I want to make. Easter outreach, the deadline to sign up for our Easter outreach is this Friday. So let me explain this. We want to bless uh, our community and care for some of the families in our community by providing Easter dinners. And so what we do is we, we gather all of the ingredients and uh, provide them unprepared. So a ham and potatoes and whatever whatever's on here, it's all listed on here. And we put those in uh, these black redemption bags that are over here. And then we deliver those to their homes. And so this is for families who maybe don't have, uh, or maybe just fallen on hard times or don't have the means to have a nice Easter dinner together as a family this year. And so it's just an opportunity for us to care for uh, those in our community who maybe just need encouraged or just need blessed this year. And so if you want to sign up for that, what we're asking you to do is go out and purchase all of the things listed on here and also contact Jace French on the email address that's on here and let her know that you want to sign to a family and she'll take it from there and get you uh, connected to a family. So you'll purchase them, fill the bag, and then deliver that to their home. It's that simple. It's an incredible way to encourage and love on somebody this Easter and remind them uh, that Jesus died for them and that he loves them. So please consider doing that. We're looking for several more people to take that on, but we do need to know by this Friday. So today, uh, if you stop by that table and just grab one of these little cards and follow the instructions on there, we'll be good to go. We are just a couple of weeks away, Lord willing, from being in our new building. And uh, guys, I am incredibly encouraged and uh, just joyful about how this thing is coming together. It looks amazing. If you have not been in there yet, uh, I can't wait for you to see it. Uh, we do have a couple of prayer requests along those lines. There's a ton of, we've gotten a lot done, but there's a ton of electrical and sound and technical stuff that needs to happen over the next couple weeks to be able to have service there. So please be praying specifically for Greg and Brad Titus as they take that on and try to get that on. And as you're able to come up and volunteer and help, um, we won't need we won't need quite the crews that we've had lately this week, um, but we'll let you know as the needs arise and as there's opportunity to do things, we'll keep you posted on that. So please let us know if you're willing to help with that. Also, uh, the flooring was supposed to start tomorrow, but we got word on Friday that they have not received any of our materials yet. And so please be praying. Uh, it would be a real shame if that was the one thing after everything we've done, that was the one thing that held us up. So please be praying that those materials come in on time and, and get here and that we can get this project completed. Um, that being said, we're having two services Easter uh, Sunday, 9 and 11. We have 12 people right now signed up to be baptized. So we're going to have baptisms at both services. If you expressed interest in baptism, I'll be reaching out to you hopefully this week uh, to talk to you about which service you're going to be at because I'd like to split, uh, not split us up evenly necessarily, but make sure that we have several people being baptized at both services. So I'd like to talk to you about which one of those would work best for you. Um, but please be inviting people. Two services, both of the times are different than when we normally meet. So pay special attention to that. Easter Sunday, 9 and 11, bring lots of friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, anybody that uh, will come with you, invite them and see if uh, God will do something special in their lives this Easter. 
Well, as, as mentioned earlier, Scott Rising is preaching today. Scott's a good friend of mine. He's also the pastor uh, for the City Church, a church plant in Greensburg. And uh, we have a close relationship with them as we are partners in the Steel City Church Planning Network together. And so uh, many of you who were here a few weeks ago heard Scott. And it's a pleasure to bring him back this week and to have his team uh, with him here who's helping him plant that church. Pastor Scott, would you come and bring the word for us? Thanks, Fred. What's up, church family? How y'all doing this morning? Man, it's good to be with you guys. Every time I come here, I get very encouraged. Um, I get encouraged from a distance, too, because I'm always chatting with Fred. And, and there's probably times where he's like, dude, I got to get to work. And we keep on talking. But we're, we're always thankful for what we see God doing, right? And so as I look across the people that are here, Man, it's, it's thoroughly encouraging to know that Jesus is always doing what he promises to do. He says, I'll build my church. And so now the fact that you guys, you got a, a home, right? You guys have been a little bit of traveling nomads for a while, going place to place. But now you've got a place where you can be. You've built momentum here in, in New Ken. And now you're going to go to Lower Borough. So I'm actually praying that, like, maybe New Ken's the next place where the Lord would plant another church, right? And so maybe we think about that for Still City. Maybe you guys just keep on traveling to Lower Borough. I don't even know how far that is from here, but I'm thankful that you guys are here. It's good to enjoy the Lord. I look forward. We're going to come and worship Jesus with you guys on Easter. We're going to worship the, the fact that Christ resurrected from the grave. We're going to celebrate all that he's doing. We're going to be there to enjoy the fact that you guys now have a place that you can call your own. And um, we're thrilled. So we praise God and we give thanks to him. So did you notice the big glowing thing in the sky this week? The sun, man, I'm thankful for the sun, right? Any, can I get an amen? You guys are, all right, good. So like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I love all the seasons that Pennsylvania offers, but towards the end of, end of winter, I'm done. I'm tapping out. Like, I'm like, Lord, just let the sunshine come out. This week it came out in full force and it was good to see. Now we have the daylight savings time, which is kind of lame. We don't need that anymore, but we still have it. And, uh, but the nice thing is now we get an extra hour of sunlight. Well, so we're, we're just, it's just good, man. Physical light is necessary for physical life, right? And if that is true for, for the physical world, how much more true is it for our spiritual well-beings, right? We need light. We can't even imagine what the earth might look like if there was no sunlight. It would not look pretty and it would not last long. And the same is true for us as, as human beings made in God's image. We are made to dwell in marvelous light. We were made to enjoy God. We were made to walk with him and to enjoy all that he is. And yet we're living in this darkness. Uh, you, you've heard about it as Pastor Fred and others have been preaching through the book of John. You know John loves this theme of darkness and light. It's all throughout the Bible, but, but John in particular, he talks about this theme of darkness and light over and over, and he keeps on pounding that home. And today he's going to continue as we continue in John chapter 8, 12 through 30. So if you would and you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. And uh, if you don't, uh, we'd probably love to give you one, but you can get one on your phone. There's a thousand ways to get the Word of God. We want to make sure you have the Word, but if you do not have it, that's all right. You can follow along as I read John chapter 8, 12 through 30. So Jesus spoke to them again. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, where is your father? He says, you neither know me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple. 
but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they questioned. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. I, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what is pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So that's our text for this morning. Um, context, and, and I'm sure Pastor Fred's done a great job of teaching, but he's, listen, this Jesus, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles, or what's called the Feast of Booze, right? Um, this feast is actually one of three high holidays that the Jewish people would observe. The Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Passover. I actually had the joy and the privilege to go to Israel to be at that time in in Israel to enjoy the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's quite a celebration. I'm sure it was during that time. I probably imagine it would be even more because you had the temple and they were gathering. And no matter what, though, even when I was there here a few years back, Jews, no matter where they find themselves, would, they would come and they would go to Israel to be reminded of the goodness of God. And so you can imagine during this time, Israel uh, and Jerusalem was, was jam-packed with thousands of people. And like I said, it's a joyous celebration where really it's, a, it's like a camping trip, right, on steroids. Because they go and there's all kinds of music and there's all kinds of food and thousands of people. And they're worshiping the Lord and they're reminding themselves of his promises. And they're reminding him, them of, of really what God has done and particularly in removing God's people from you know, Pharaoh and, and Egypt and, and taking them in to the place where they would go into the promised land, but they would actually wander in the desert. But they're reminding of the faithfulness of God, where, where bread came from heaven. We learned that in John chapter 6 here a while back. Jesus says, I am the true bread that has come from heaven, right? They had manna in the wilderness, he's saying, but now you have real food, spiritual food. That fed your bodies. I'm here to feed your soul. And then if you remember, even last week, the, the, the priest would pour water over a rock to remind them of the time where Moses would actually command this rock to give water, and it gave water from a stone. And Jesus says, I'm living water. Anybody who's thirsty, let him come to me. Let him drink drink and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now he's at the feast of booze and it's, and listen, it's at the end of the week, right? It's at the end of the week. It's finishing up. The festival's coming to an end. And we know from verse 20 that Jesus is in the court of, of women or he's in, at the treasury. And, and we can understand from history that this was the place within the courtyard where, where they would have huge lamps. And these things would be lit. They'd be filled with oil. They'd be burning. And there'd just be this big fire throughout the whole week while they were celebrating. One, to light up the temple, right? They didn't have electricity. But another thing, just so that as people were camping all around the area, they could see that light. They could be reminded of the fact that God would show up in, in a pillar of fire when he would lead them at night. And he would be wrapped in, in, in a cloud during the day and it would give them shelter from the hot sun. They're reminding themselves of this great God. And it's at that moment, at the end of the week, when they're all thinking about this God taking them out of slavery, that Jesus stands up, or I don't know if he's standing. He might be sitting. I'm imagining him standing. The lights are going out or maybe they're out. We don't know. But he makes this amazing declaration. It's the second declaration of the I am statements within the book of John. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, now imagine this. This is quite a spectacle, right? Like 
Like, yeah, we, we, the light of life. He's saying, I'm God. I'm the true light. My father led you in the wilderness, absolutely. But I want you to know, I'm not just the light of the Jews. I'm not just the light of Israel. I'm actually the light of the world. Right? I've, I've come for you, my people. I love you, but I'm here for Gentiles. Come one, come all. I'm the one who gives light to the world. And so there's three things that I want to draw from this, this text. There's, there's a lot more than three. This is a chunk of Scripture. But I think these three you'll see clearly, uh, either explicitly or at least implicitly, right? So the first thing I want us to notice is that we are born in the domain of darkness and destined for eternal darkness. Well, that's bad news, right? I mean, there's plenty of darkness all throughout this world to make any of us tremble if we actually look at it. Something's gone terribly wrong. Every one of us know it, right? This past year, I think it's at least within our areas, it's probably been even a little more dark, right? COVID-19 has taken its toll on, on humanity as a society, as we feel a little more isolated for the most part. Certainly it has uh, taken its toll on the economy. But it's not just COVID-19, right? It's not just a pandemic. Um, every day, more than 100 people die of a drug overdose, right? Every day. But, but that's just a, a, a small microcosm of how much drugs will ravage like families, communities, people we love. It's not just those people. It affects all sorts of people. I've had to bury more friends in this past year over drug overdoses than, than cancer. I mean, it tells you who I hang out with, but, but that's just my reality. And, and it's sad. It breaks my heart. Every day, though. Now, but cancer, cancer's serious, right? My sister died of cancer. Cancer continues to wreak havoc, killing more than a, over a half a million people every year in the United States alone. Divorce continues to wreck families and, and leave tons of collateral damage in its wake. And, and I want you to know, man, like good people, good people get divorced. People who love the Lord get divorced. It doesn't just affect, quote, unquote, those people out there. No, it affects the church family. It affects many people. It is no respecter of person, right? Racial conflict and division seem to be at an all-time high, even after what I thought was years of perceived progress. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. 100,000 babies are aborted every day around the world. The sex trade industry continues to ravage people. There's darkness everywhere. You don't have to look hard. You just have to look. Many times we don't want to look. But here's the thing. All of those things that we're talking about is, is essentially darkness that's outside of us. And, and there is darkness outside of us, no doubt. The, the God of this world is Satan, and he is seeking to wreak havoc. And his hand's in many of these things. But there's a, there's a temptation, especially with people within the church, to wrongly think that darkness is something that primarily only happens outside of us, not in us. And, and, and that's, a, that's a grave mistake, I want you to know. It's not a biblical thought at all. Um, the fact that we are born into the domain of darkness, our natural bent is to be, we are sinners by nature, by choice, you know. I thought about it, you know, the easiest way to prove this doctrine, the easiest way to prove this teaching to be true is to have children. I mean, I mean, seriously, right? Like, I think my daughter grew up in one of the best environments ever, right? We, we, we would show her different cartoons, and you got VeggieTales, and we, that show's weird, but whatever. Like, we did it. Uh, and, and, but, but here's the thing. We never taught her to be a rebellious, wretched little sinner. Never taught her that. I never had that class. I didn't show her the domain of darkness tales, right? Like, we just didn't do that. But I remember at a ripe age of three, man, this girl just like, like we, I mean, it could have been something as good as like, hey, go get some ice cream. And, and if she didn't want to do it, she was like cross her hand, stick her little mm-hmm out. And she's like, no. And I'm like, where did that come from? It's like prego. It's in there. <laughs> this, this is our reality. It's a reality. And you're like, not me. Oh, you're the darkest of all because you don't even understand. You just don't even understand. Darkness is not something that primarily happens outside of us. J listen, Jesus has been telling us throughout the book of John. John's been clear. Look at John 3, 19 and 20 once again. He says, this is the judgment, right? He says that light has come into the world. And that people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil 
hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. See, we, we love darkness because we are sinners by nature and by choice. Ever since the fall within the garden, we live in a world that is filled with, with disease and suffering and poverty and racism and disasters and pandemics and death everywhere you look. And, and as you can imagine, like getting up on a particular Sunday morning and preaching and teaching on this, it's not real popular. People don't want to hear it. This kind of preaching is actually falling on hard times. It's like, oh, come on, pastor. Can we get to the happy stuff? Tell me about my best life now. But if you don't understand the bad news, the good news ceases to be good. It just ceases. Like, what did you get saved from? A bad day. Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. A Netflix show will do that. You've got to understand that you and I are born into sin. We are born under wrath. It's bad news. It's not good news. Our enlightened world wrongly thinks that men and women are basically good, and that's a flawed thought. But if you, they believe that if you give them enough time, resources, and education, the right environment, things will get better. Study history. It's just not reality. The, the society and the culture wrongly thinks that if we just cancel all the bad and the negativity and the, all the problems, they'll just go away. The only problem with that is you'd have to extinguish humanity because we're the problem. See, the answer is not in you and me, not, not in our original state. The answer has to come from outside. And here in our text, we see Jesus saying by implication what he thinks of the human condition. It's lost. It's in darkness. It needs light light that they don't have. It needs to come outside of them. And that's why Jesus came, right? The human condition is in complete and utter darkness. Men and women are in darkness. Our minds are darkened by nature. We are blind. We cannot see. The Bible clearly says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were made to reflect his goodness to the world and instead, we wanted to worship ourselves. We wanted to worship creature rather than creator. So we began to drink from all these broken little cisterns in the world instead of going to the one who actually gives life. And the, and the further that we would work our way away from him, the darker we have become. But get this, we were made to enjoy God, to enjoy life with him. We were made in his image. We were made to bring him glory and to enjoy life with him forever. However, because we have sinned, we cannot be in the presence of God. God is perfect. He is holy. Something drastically has to change within our situation for sinners to be brought near to a God who loves them. And, and, and that's what this whole text is about. We're out of fellowship with God. Our relationship with God is broken. All human problems ultimately are symptoms. But the root cause is separation from God. And so Jesus has come. He has come. And he is good news. He's the embodiment of good news, right? This separation, though, is not a temporary thing unless something drastic happens, unless God intervenes, right? We will be cast into outer darkness, to, to a real place called hell that is forever, right? The Bible describes it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, this outer place is, is filled with unspeakable grief. It's filled with heartache and anguish and suffering. And that's where all humans would go if God did not intervene. Everyone. The only thing that humanity deserves is the wrath of God. Make no mistake about that. It's not popular to say it, but it is reality. You're like, well, no, I deserve sunshine. You don't deserve sunshine. Because you and I have sinned against an almighty, perfect God, you and I only deserve the wrath of God. So anything other than the wrath of God is, is grace. It's kindness because he doesn't owe us anything other than that. But he's a good, merciful, graceful God. And so he sends Jesus. God is not afraid of the darkness. He's not afraid of the darkness that's in, in this world. And he is not afraid of the darkness that is in you and I. And this is why he has sent Jesus to be the light of the world. And so that's the second point. Unless you believe in Jesus as the light of the world, as, as the Savior of the world, and the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners, you and I will die in our sins. It's a fact. You're like, I don't believe it. It doesn't change the fact. Right? Like, the answer to our darkness is Christ. 
Jesus declares himself to be the only remedy to this darkened world, right? Do you notice it? He says he is the light of the world. He doesn't say he's one of many lights to the world, right? He is the only one. He declares to be the only light of the world. And in referring to himself as this light of the world, Jesus was speaking of his identity with the one and only true God. Right? All throughout the Bible, we see the Bible declare that, that God himself is light and from him radiates glory. Right, And, and so 1 John 1.5 says this. John said, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. He's only good all the time. It's a fact. It's Jesus is the exact imprint of his father because we worship one God, three distinct persons, father, son, spirit. And Jesus is the embodiment of that. He comes, he puts on flesh, he brings light to the world because the rest of the world is all seeking to get their way to God through evolution. I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to work my way to God. We don't need evolution. You can't evolve out of your darkness. What we need is revelation. Jesus comes to bring revelation because he brings light because he in of himself is light and that's the gospel this is the good news Jesus by calling himself the light of the world is once again making reference to himself as the perfection the purity the holiness and ultimately his deity he says I am and trust me they know what he means and they do not like it oh oh your testimony, Jesus, not cool, not good. You know the law, right? You've been talking about it. Like you, it's just you. You can't do that. And, and by the way, that's a good rule, right? Like what if I just walked into the police station and it's just me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, and I just start telling them all these things that are not true and there's no witnesses. Like, well, I don't know how we can prove that. So this is a good thing. But Jesus is like, I'm not alone because my father testifies. He's been testifying since I've got to this earth, right? He's been testifying through miracles. He's going to continue to testify when I go to the cross and I resurrect and I ascend to the father and I pour out the Holy Spirit. Like, trust me, my father's declaring to you. He is testifying to you. You don't see it though, right? And, and they don't see it. They're, they're lost. See, this truth claim that Jesus shares the same light with his father was made so clear in the first chapter of John. If you were here and paying attention, we were told that, that the word is God in verse one and that the word who became flesh in Christ is the light shining out of darkness. Right? We, we've heard it over and over. This statement of absolute truth, it, it's not popular now. Well, there's, there's gotta be many ways, right? There's many lights. There's many paths. We're enlightened. Come on. It's, it's so crazy to think that there'd be only one way. Why would God only give one way? Well, because there only is one God. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this is why this conflict has happened. Jesus, he is, he is utterly declaring his deity, and they know it. And they got a real problem with it. Look, look, just listen to the flow of argument again. I'm going to read it once again, 13 through 20. So the Pharisees said to him, whoa, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus said, listen, even if I testify about myself, okay, my testimony is true because I know where I come from. He's like, I, I come from heaven right? I know where I'm going, right? I'm going to the cross, but I'm going to resurrect, and I'm going to head back up there, and I'm going to, I'm going to sit at the right hand of my father. I'm going to rule. I'm going to reign. I'm the king, right? I'm the one you're looking for. He said, if I do judge, my judgment's true, because it's not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me. Even in your law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the father who sent me testifies about me. And then they asked him, well, where, where's your father? I wonder what tone they said that with. I don't know. I don't know. But it's like, where, where, where's your daddy? Joseph, well, you go back to Galilee. What are you talking about, Jesus? We all know the scandal of your mama, right? Go get dad. And that's not what he's talking about. He said, you know, neither me nor my father. I want that to hit you. I actually been praying that the Lord would allow that to hit you. These men knew the Bible. Oh, did they know the scripture? You're like, I know the scripture. I got like 15 memory verses down flat. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. I can't even get through numbers without grace. I mean, oh, okay, man, it's just me. Um, 
But I mean, every year I'm in the Bible reading plan. I'm like, Lord, help me. I feel like I'm in the wilderness. I mean, I know it's good. I know it's sweeter than honey. I know every dot and tittle is good. But God, help me. These guys knew the Bible, and they have the Word of God standing in front of them, and they can't see. And so you could be the most religious person ever and not know Jesus, not know God. You could recite Scripture, but so can Satan. And says, you don't know me. If you knew me, Jesus said, you would also know my Father. See, Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he told the Pharisees that they really are two witnesses, right? The Father and the Son. But the, the Pharisees, they can't see it. They missed the point. Because here's the thing, they're so concerned about the details of the law that they miss the Messiah who the law points to. But before we all get proud and think, yeah, those dummies, if you're sitting here trusting and believing in Jesus Christ, it's only because a miracle of light has happened in your heart and you didn't do it. There's no room for pride within the gospel. If you, if you meet people and you're like, why can't they see? Because they're blind. They're blind. You would never walk up to a person who's physically blind and be like, bro, check that sign out. And they're like, man, I, I can't even see that sign. You're like, what's your problem? Look, you just wouldn't do that. But we can do that with, with some lost folk. <laughs> I've seen it. You, you're an idiot. No, they're lost. Why do you do that? Because they're sinners. You don't ever like, get surprised like when a dog pees on a fire hydrant. You're never like, oh. Why are we crazy about when sinners sin? Now, now, if you're in Christ and you're walking with Jesus, let's just, oh, that's a different story. We've got to talk through that. There's some discipleship needs here. Jesus don't have that for you. But, but people who are lost do what lost people do. They sin. I know. For 23 years, that's what I did. And just when I got saved, I didn't just get like all of a sudden, like I'm a Care Bear with rainbows shooting out every orifice. I don't sin anymore. Like, I got it all figured out. I'm awesome. No, I, I mean, my sin was paid for, but man, I danced with the devil for 23 years and I thought, well, we had some things going on and Jesus is like, well, you're done with that. The light has come. You're done with that. But we didn't get it all worked out in day one, but he got all my sin worked out in the moment I believed upon the cross. See, if we're not careful, you and I can make the same mistake of looking for light everywhere within the world except in Christ which is so sad. Many people in our relativistic age think that there's many lights that can ultimately illuminate the path to God out of our spiritual darkness. We live in a very spiritual age. We really do. It's not wholly spiritual, but it's spiritual, right? And these false lights are all around us. Reason, philosophy, self-help, religion devoid of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit are all attempting to illuminate the way to God. However, none of them are helpful. They're dangerous, right? They lead to more darkness. Just like if you and I were to go and, and we were to, let's, hey, let's go stargaze, and there's tons of ambient light all around us. That's called light pollution. And it seeks to dim out the one true light we're actually seeking to see. I've been in such heavily lit areas that you go out at night, you can't see. You can't see. But I've been in places where it's so dark. When you walk out there, the sky is lit. Well, that light's always there, but you can't see because you've got all this other junk around you seeking to dim it out. And here's the thing. To not see Jesus as the one and only true light has eternal consequences. It's not a little thing. To not see Jesus as the one true light. Look at verse 23 and 24 again. He said to them, he said, you're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. Therefore, I told you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am. If you don't believe that I am, I am God. I'm the one, the Messiah, the one you're seeking. You will die in your sins. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying there. That's what he says now. Die in your sins. This is not just a dirt nap. It's not just become worm food. 
Right? This, is, this is under the wrath of God. This is under the judgment of God. It's not just a physical death. It is an eternal death. It's constant wrath. You and I can't imagine it. We can't. You'd be the most depressed. I would hide under a rock. I'd want it to crush me. We can't imagine it unless your sins are covered. Unless you believe that Jesus said, I am. I'm the God who comes to rescue his people. Unless your sins are dealt with, unless redemption is paid in full, you and I, my friends, we would die in our sins. We would die under the wrath of God. Do you see? Do you see? You must see. And you can't make yourself see. That's crazy. You can't, it's not like you can just say, hey, eyes of my heart, Look. But I'll tell you what you can do. You could, if, if you're here and you're not trusting in Christ as your Savior, you could right now cry out to God and say, God, help me to see. I, I, I want to believe. I can't. Help me. Oh, God, does he love to answer that request. He loves to. Because he loves to have people in the domain of darkness see his son for who he is. He loves. And how do you see that? Jesus said, it's the cross. Right? There's going to come a day when I'm going to be lifted up. Oh, and then you're going to see. You're going to see. The cross is what brings about the illumination that is needed for salvation. We must be born again. We know this from the Bible. You've been in the book of John. Verse 28 says it clearly. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. That I am. And I do nothing of my own. It is the cross that brings about the revelation. It is the cross that brings about the light. It is the cross that shines the brightness of God's glory into the darkened hearts of unbelievers. It is the cross. This is why I'm so thankful as, as we were worshiping in song and through prayer. I, I heard, I sung the cross. I love when I read Redemption's page and it says we are a cross-centered, gospel-centered people. What we do, it's about the gospel. Well, I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled about that. Because it's, it's where, it's at the cross that we see the severity of God towards sin. He's not trifle with sin. Jesus is not your homeboy. It's just so trifling, so stupid to say these things. I mean, I said them. So if you said them, you're in good company, right? Jesus is kind. He's patient. But he's severe. Otherwise, the cross is not necessary. But man, he is loving. Oh, he's merciful. He's full of grace. He loves to forgive sinners. He came to seek and to save the lost. The cross is where where the severity and the, the wrath of God meet the love and the kindness of God and the mercy of God, and they, they come in that one place. And if you can see it, man, you will see the light that Jesus is talking about. It's at that moment that you see, man, he is he's terrifying. Oh, but he's loving. He's loving. He sent his son to die in our place. Paul Paul gets to this throughout the Bible, uh, the New Testament, but particularly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He said, for God who said, and he's going back to creation, he said, let light shine out of darkness, right? He spoke that, and it happened. It didn't exist, now it does. Has shown, I love this, in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, I spoke creation into being. We were just talking about this last night while we were hanging out at, at my house, uh, me and a few of the guys, and, and this was brought up by a buddy of mine, and, and he was talking about how God spoke this into existence where it wasn't, now it is, and the same thing happens, that miracle happens in the heart of believers. So he brings about life physically by speaking it, but if you're here as a believer, I want you to know it's a miracle. It's a miracle of grace that has happened in your heart, and he brought about something that wasn't, that now is. What is it? It's life. You're born again, and, and, and you have a new heart. You're a new creation, right? Like, you're now in the family of God. And, and so I want to say this, that if you're here and you're not trusting in Jesus for your salvation, first off, I'm, I'm thrilled you're here. 
Like, I give thanks to God you're here. I sat in a seat for over a year as an unbelieving man, and I thought, this was lame. Hurry up. I want some food. That's all I thought. One day, boom, the light of the gospel shone in my heart. So I want you to know that if you're here, you're not trusting in Jesus, we're honored, we're thankful you're here. It's a joy to have you. But I'm saying now, right now, is the time to repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ, to trust in the one true light. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Your life is but a mist. And what that means is you're here, you're gone tomorrow. You're like, no, nah, I got lots of time. You don't know that. You can get hit by a bus today. Maybe they don't run on Sunday. Semi-truck. What I'm saying is, what God is offering you is life with him. It's not just a ticket out of hell, although that sounds good, but can I just tell you something? You could be a complete idiot and not want to go to hell. Doesn't mean you love Jesus. Doesn't mean you love Jesus. What he's offering you is he's offering you life with God Almighty, who you were created for. And he's offering it to you right now. Right now. Jesus the true light of the world came to save sinners, just like you, just like me. He died as a substitute in our place upon a cross. He went to the cross to become sin. He never did sin. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross, though, to become sin so that sinners like us, by putting our faith in him, can become the actual righteousness of God. Because what we need is righteousness. We need not only to have our sins forgiven, but we need to have that and to have a right standing with God. And you and I can't do that. Jesus did that. He did that. It's finished. Now you trust in him. You trust in his good works. You trust in his perfect life. You trust that his death was sufficient because it's the death you deserved, but he took it right? He, he became an enemy of God, his father, so that enemies like you and I could become beloved children of God. How? By grace alone, by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. And that's it. And you don't add anything more to it. The moment you believe, he declares you righteous, forgiven, beloved, if you're sitting here trusting in Jesus, I want you to know his face shines upon you. He loves you. He's delighting in you. Now, you might be doing some wild stuff that he does not approve of, and that grieves his heart, but it grieves his heart as a father. And he has no admixture of wrath and love towards you. He only has love towards you, and in his love, he would love to see you turn to, to be reminded he has a better life than that for you. So don't continue in your sin so that grace may abound, but but go and enjoy the life he has for you. But he ain't going to leave you. He ain't going to forsake you. If he loved you while you were weak, ungodly sinners, how much more does he love you now that you're his? You're his children. He loves you, right? And so this amazing Christ is now mediating every relationship between the Father and humanity. The people who have put their faith in Jesus like, he's maintaining this relationship. We're in Christ. He's in us. And, and so, last piece. I'm not even close to being done. We'll get there. But, but for my, my friends who are not trusting in Jesus, I want you to know the eternal salvation is not eternally available. It's not. It's right now. Put your trust in him. All right. Why? Because there's no possibility of knowing God and having salvation without knowing and trusting Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying is clear. To know God is to love the Father. To know the Father is to love Jesus, right? Because they're one. And we have an almighty God. This is good news for the religious and the irreligious. We know that from John, right? Because here's the deal. Nicodemus, religious man. What did he need? Born again. He needed the gospel. He thought he was working his way to God. You're not working your way to Jack, bud. Jesus said, you must be born again, right? And so he, he's like, whoa, whoa mean i'm not gonna go through that whole story again if you missed it go back cue it up listen to fred preach it but then in the next chapter who's he talking to he's talking to the woman at the well this is an irreligious woman right she's probably on jerry springer like then she got like who's your baby daddy i could be wrong about that but i think this girl lived a wild out life and jesus comes there he says listen i know you're thirsty right you're trying to get like satisfied in the quenches of your heart by drinking at all these different little men they're not going to help you you need to drink from living water and she's like whoa let's talk about worship what about this mountain and thing again 
And he goes with it. But I want you to know, Jesus comes to the religious and the irreligious. The gospel is what you need. You need Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He, God, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom he loves. And in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Look at the language. He's rescued us. You're no longer in the domain of darkness. You are in the kingdom. So live as though you're in the kingdom. The kingdom of who? Of Jesus, the one he loves. You have redemption. You have forgiveness of sins. You're in a constant state of forgiveness. Your past, your present, your future sins are paid for in the cross. Man, that's amazing. Notice verse 12 from our text today. Anyone who follows him will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you're sitting here as a born-again believer, praise God, not that there's any other kind of believer. There's not. You, you have the light of life. You are no longer in spiritual darkness. So, third point, final point, live in the light of this truth. Live in it. Saturate your heart, your mind with it. Go to the Word of God. Consume the Word of God. Have your minds transformed, not conformed to the patterns of this world. We don't go to read the Bible so that God will be pleased with us. We go to the Bible because he is pleased with us, and we want to know his joy and his pleasure. And if you're like, man, I just don't even enjoy reading the Bible. Okay, he knows that. Confess that and ask him to give you spiritual taste bud to make his word sweeter than honey to you. He will do that. I don't know. He will. Try him. But don't just read the Bible to know a bunch of knowledge. Read the Bible to know God. Read the Bible to know the Father who loves you. Read the Bible to know the Father who sent the Son to save you. Right? Read the Bible to know that you have a helper in the Holy Spirit who gives you power every day to love your enemies. Read the Bible like a soldier, not a scholar. Read the Bible to enjoy God. And he will do that. See, to follow Jesus is to joyfully submit ourselves to him in every way. Just as Israel followed the pillar of the cloud and the fire, journeying through the wilderness, moving when it moved, stopping when it stopped, by grace, you and I do the same thing by faith. We must do the same thing. That's what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. Right? If you understand, Simon says, if I said Simon says, touch your nose, if you want to play that game, you touch your nose. When Jesus says things, we just think, well, I don't know if that's real. But, but, but that's not what it means to be a believer. And I'm not saying we do these things to get saved. I say we do these things because we are saved. Big difference. Big difference. But he's saying you'll live as light in the world. But he doesn't just say that. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 5? If not, I'm going to freshly remind you. Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16 says this. Jesus talking to, to the people of God. He says, you are the light of the world. Remember that? He says, city, Right? Situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Christian, you are light of the world. That's what the text says. It's not just that we have been given the light of the gospel, but we are actually the light of the world. Think about what's being said here, though, right? How is it that Jesus is the light of the world and we, his people, are the light of the world? How is that, right? Is, is it a contradiction? I mean, can that be a thing? Jesus, I thought you said you're the light of the world. Now you're saying we're the light of the world. Are we both lights of the world? How can it be? I love this because, and I've been praying that God would help you see this. Do you see the union that Christ brings us into. It's not Jesus and his people. He's the head. We're the body. Oh, man, if you could get this, this would seriously, it will wreck you to understand how much he loves you if you could just understand that he brings you into himself and he himself goes into you. That's how serious he is about his bride, the church. This is why when the apostle Paul was, well, 
He was Saul then. He was ravaging the church. Jesus interrupted his little road to Damascus, and, and he, he says to him, he says, Saul, why do you persecute, he does not say the church, me. Do you see that Christ, his love for you is so much that, that you are in him. He is in you. And if you could grasp this, it literally is the thing that will give you the courage to wake up every morning, to put boots on, slippers on, whatever fancy shoes you ladies wear, whatever you wear, go into the world and be the light of the world. Why? Because he's given you everything you need. No, I, I need to understand more. You don't need to understand more. You need to give what you got. And keep getting. Right? Just give what you got, though. I didn't know anything other than Jesus saves sinners when I came to faith. That's all I knew. And that I was one and I needed a Savior. And I, I look back at times and I think God was working more powerfully through me at that time than when I started to get a bunch of head knowledge. Can I just tell you, quit believing the lie that you can't be light in the world until you attain some spiritual moment. If you are in Christ, you had your spiritual moment. You're born again. You're the light of the world. And so, and by the way, I believe you all do this. That's why I was so excited about the fact you're going to have a building where you can go worship. Even, and, and, and by the way, the building is a gift from God. You know that. I hear you guys talk about it. I'm very thankful that they're very clear on that. It's not the end game, but it is a gift. We praise God that he has supplied this place where you guys can gather, and it's a place where you can start to build momentum. But you gather in order to scatter and spread light into the world. You gather to scatter. God, in his kindness, has chose to shine the light of the gospel, the light of Christ, through us through our lives. Think about the moon. Think about the moon, right? The moon doesn't actually shine, right? If that's new to you, keep paying attention. I mean, it really doesn't, it doesn't give off any light, right? But it only reflects the light of the sun, right? At night when the sun disappears, we still enjoy the sunlight, but it's from the reflection of the moon. And in the same way, although I'm sure that breaks down in theory, it's true in a spiritual sense, right? Like Jesus is no longer physically here on the earth. The light of the world has went to sit at the right hand of his father, to intercede, to be the mediator. And yet his light still shines here. And how does it shine? Through reflecting, through image bearers that are redeemed, born again, and understand this good news of the gospel. We then let our light shine because he shines through us. And we're cracked pots, man. Right? Can I just tell you that light sometimes kicks out even more when it's through our brokenness, not through our just having everything wonderfully together. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? Like my kids only watch VeggieTale. They have almost the whole Bible memorized. They will only eat, you know, vegan free. And if you're into all that, whatever. Whatever. But can I just tell you, you could do all those things and there's no light shining. But can I tell you something? It's in the moments where you are reminded, oh, God, I have not fully arrived. Thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. That's when light shines. You know what the world doesn't need is just another religious church. And I'm using that in like a negative context. I get that. Religion, we, we want true religion. Religion of the heart. But it's okay to say I haven't arrived because that's the, to understand that as the gospel, right? Like we are saved. We're saved. It's done. And yet we're being saved. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. We're becoming more like him, less like ourselves. But can I tell you something? That's an exhausting process at times. But there's good news. There will be a day where you will be finally, fully, perfectly, wonderfully saved. But I thought I am saved. You are saved. Hold on. I mean, that's the gospel. He's never done working with you till the day he returns. You go to be with him. And even then, man, we just, I'm sure we grow in understanding his goodness and his love. You and I are saved by faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, but it is not a faith that remains alone. We are to be people of good works, not to get love, but because we understand the love we have. It's a big difference. So display and declare this good news of the gospel by, by actually seeing people. You're like, well, that's weird. It's like, see dead people? Like, well, is this an old movie? No, see people. You know what I'm talking about. You go to Walmart, what do you want? You just want what you're getting. You don't even recognize there's a human in front of you made in the image of God. Recognize them. See them. They're not there just to check you out. 
Display the good news of the gospel by giving mercy to people, not what they deserve, right? Give them grace. Give them kindness, right? Invite people into your home. It's a pandemic. Okay, if it doesn't work for you, don't do it. The rest of you do it. Seriously. You're like, right now, would anyone ever come? We just moved to Greensburg. I've had more people in our home over the last three months than I have in the last three years that I don't know. People are dying for community. Literally. They're dying for community. And if the church is not the place where you're going to invite somebody in who might get you sick and even die, I don't know where they'll go. I just don't know where they'll go. Invite them into your home. Share the gospel with them. Share your lives with them. Share a burger with them. You'd be amazed how many people will come in for a good burger. I mean, seriously. It's not about entertaining. It's hospitality. Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood, and he went and ate and drank with sinners. He never got drunk, and he was never a glutton. But let me tell you, he went where they were. Why? Because he came for them. And now his people are to do the same. Now we are almost done. I want to encourage you with one last piece. If you're here and you're like, I can't even barely get out of bed let alone invite someone into my home. Well, I want you to know there's grace for that. <laughs> and he loves you. And his love hasn't changed for you. He doesn't love you when you invite people into your home more. He's, he's with you, okay? I want you to hear that. Hang in there. Do not lose heart. Share the burden. Look around you. Find someone, right? Share the burden. You need the people that are in this room. We need one another. We need community. And, and if it seems like the darkness is too much and it's caving in on me and it's getting darker every day, I want you to take heart and be of good courage and know right now that there's a day when Jesus will return and he will triumph once and for all and finally over darkness. And I want you to tell you, I want to tell you right now, I'm going to read two texts and that's it. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. But these two texts are your future if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, they could be your future. Put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. But I want to read these two texts out of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verses 23 and 22, verse 5. Listen to what it says. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Talking about heaven that's coming down, the new Jerusalem. Because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the lamb. Jesus shining. You and I could never see him like that right now. We would be incinerated. But there will be a day when you'll be given glorified bodies, ones that are not broken. Your brains will not be broken. Your bodies will not be broken. They will be glorified to be able to see God in all his stunning array, and you'll be able to look upon him to enjoy him. He will be the one who lights everything with perfect and marvelous light. That's your future. Secondly, Revelation 22, verse 5 said, the night will be no more. Do we sleep? I don't have a clue. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. Why? Because the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. They will reign forever and ever. God has chose to be a gracious king, to invite you into his kingdom, to invite you into real life with him. And you, my friend, no matter how dark your life is right now, will shine like the sun yourself because God loves to give generous gifts to his kids. And if you're in Christ, you're his child. He loves you. That's your future. Hang in. That's not some health, wealth, prosperity crap. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about, what the Bible says Hang in there. Don't lose heart. Your labor's not in vain. Keep running this race. Keep letting your light shine. Keep looking to the light of glory of Christ, and he will continue to transform you by his amazing power. You have the Holy Spirit of God working in and through you. Let your light shine. Get your Jesus freak on and, and quit being afraid to go out and to do these things and, and share the good news. This world's dying for it, literally, in their sins, heading to hell. Be the people of God to bring gospel proclamation 
to their lives and just watch and see what God does because he loves to save sinners. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the kindness of God. Lord, we thank you for your kindness as a father to send Jesus to rescue desperate, needy, dirty, filthy, hell-bent, hell-bound sinners. You're such an amazing God. Lord, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask that you would pour out your spirit afresh on these people so that when they go here, they might know that you go with them. There's never a place that you're not with them, that you love them. Give them courage. Give them strength. Give them humility. May we decrease as you increase, and may we bring you glory. May we make the name of Jesus Christ more famous in New Ken, in Lower Borough, in Greensburg, across the world, more than it is now. May you be magnified through your people, we ask in the powerful and beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.